Day One of the End of the World is a collection of first-hand accounts of what happened the first day of the zombie apocalypse. The Day One Oral History Collection showcases the human elements, the chaos, the heroism, and the tragedy, as seen through the eyes of people from around the world. 82-year-old John Vogel survived the occupation of the Netherlands during World War II as a child, but he found the true test of his character when the first zombie waves broke against his sleepy town. I have lived all my life in a community called Harlem, near Schiphol Airport. It's an hour and 20 minutes from Amsterdam by bicycle. I should explain, this is the only way I travel. As a bicycle repairman, it would be verboten to travel otherwise, really. Very bad for business, and the jokes people make are as terrible as they are unending. I sprained an ankle once in my 50s and had to borrow a car to pick up parts for a couple of weeks. Everywhere I went, people called out to me, Vogel, what's wrong with your bicycle? Do you need a good repairman? It was a nightmare. I never drove another car again. So, I live near Schiphol Airport. And as word of the virus spread, the Netherlands and Belgium closed their borders to Germany and the outside world. Fool me once, shame on you, but fool me twice... No thank you, Germany. No thank you. However, Dutch citizens were allowed to re-enter the country, and this was, to be honest, a pretty stupid strategy. There were no tests, we had no idea how long it took for symptoms to show. The conservative politicians insisted that we had no legal right to keep them out. So basically, we invited the virus in as though it was a neighbor after church, practically threw the first zombies of Elkham home party with a cup of coffee and rochebrot. Good for us. So, Schiphol Airport was quickly obliterated, and this time it wasn't a Germans. Though zombies do stagger around like drunken Germans, I see how there could be some confusion. But the world was not well in the Netherlands. The airport barricades meant to keep people out of the airport were flipped around and instead kept people in. It was the worst we'd seen since the war. They even killed and ate the Prime Minister. It wasn't the first time for that, though. We don't like to admit, let alone talk about it, but it did actually happen back in 1672, our disaster year. An Oranist mob roasted the Prime Minister's liver in a cannibalistic frenzy. I assumed that would be the last time the Dutch entered into cannibalistic frenzy, at least in my lifetime. But I was so very, very wrong. So, after the zombies broke through the blockade at the airport, they made a long, slow, disorganized parade fanning out across the entirety of the Dutch countryside. They were attracted to noise, no matter what was making it. All battalions of them were sucked into airplane engines on the tarmac, just inhaled by the jets. The jets, in turn, showered our troops with an unnatural puree. It was utterly horrifying, and the whole thing was televised. By the time they came to Harlem, they had lost some steam and were missing many, many pieces. Much easier to outmaneuver. Not at all like the first wave we saw on the news. At first... I went up to the second-floor window. My house faces a canal, and I would throw pieces of beef out into the canal, say it was a finger, and they would fall in and die. 
It seemed a pretty practical, convenient way to dispatch the ones that were low-hanging fruit. But soon, there were too many in number, and I ran out of beef. And at that point, my house was entirely surrounded. This is also a stupid strategy, which I admit, and in my defense, the government did recommend for us to shelter in place. You know, looking back, I think I wanted to fail. No, really, I think I did. I wanted the zombies to find me, kill me, and for it not to be my fault. I was feeling a bit sorry for myself, which is unusual. My daughter never comes to visit me. I still don't have any grandchildren. And now there are zombies clogging up my septic tank and trampling my prize-winning tulips. I was forced to face a truth I had long been avoiding. I am going to die alone, either way. So why not today? At least no one would blame me. Fortunately, I composed myself, fixed my hair in the mirror, and I said to myself, Jan, your papa gave his life as a member of the Dutch Resistance, and his sacrifice will not be made in vain. Not today. Today, you will find and protect your daughter. So, I came up through the basement storm doors to the backyard, and I used a cordless edge trimmer to keep them at bay as I pedaled my bicycle as hard as I could toward the Decker's farm. My daughter, Yara, didn't think I knew about her dating relationship with her son, Willem. <laughs> but I did indeed. I've been waiting for her to come clean about it, but I figure she's going to wait until she's sure she likes him well enough to have me test him. She stokes the fear of me in her intended mind for as long as she can before she introduces me. For a bicycle repairman, I can be quite intimidating. But usually... It doesn't take her this long. I've wondered if perhaps she has issues with commitment. I had planned to speak to her about it privately, but my plans changed for the obvious reasons. So, I pedaled to the Decker's farm, evading the stragglers till I could get to the gate and pull my bicycle inside. I pedaled on and found the family gathered around the barn. And Wilhelm had quite a smart plan for combating the nasty Gestumptamaisches, dirty rats. His father would have been very proud. First, he sent the rest of us to the roof of the barn, so we could watch his plan unfold in safety. Next, he parked his DJ fan in the middle of the barley field. He says he makes his living playing for outdoor weddings, but really, he DJs at small raves for tourists in the middle of nowhere. He started to play Abba's Dancing Queen, as loud as it would go, over and over. The music drew them all to the field from everywhere. It was like Woodstock, but for the people at the hospice, so surreal. But what was even more surreal than a zombie horde swaying to Abba on a bright summer's day in the Dutch countryside was the Decker boys. Willem's brothers, Peter, Jaap, and Kick, they each sat astride a trusty combine harvester, mowing down acre upon acre of zombies. Anyone looking down on us would have thought we had lost our marples, but instead of cowering in my home, waiting for the cold embrace of death, I was with my daughter, and she was glad to be with me. We danced to Abba in the setting sun as Willem and his brothers on their combines worked well into the night. 
This has been day one of the end of the world, an oral history of the zombie apocalypse. This episode was written by Brian Dykstra and Brenda Holiday, performed by Brian Dykstra, directed by Brenda Holiday, narration by Gregory Larson. Find out more about these talented artists and this podcast at necrodemic.com. <laughs>